You're listening to English with Monty, the podcast about the English language. If you're an English language learner, have a keen interest in language, or you're a teacher, then this podcast is for you. We give tips and advice and discuss topics about learning and teaching. We hope you find it fun and informative that it gives you help and encouragement in your journey with the English language. Hi there, welcome to the fifth episode of English with Monty. Today we're going to talk about IELTS, which is the Cambridge exam, which is usually an examination for people who want to enter university or, for example, for the medical professions or also if you're um, going to Australia, for example, or Canada, I think, as well, for immigration purposes. And today Louise is joining me, who's one of my teachers at Monty, and we're going to have a bit of of a chat about IELTS and kind of give you some ideas and tips about it. So hi Louise, how are you doing? Hi, I'm good thanks. How are you doing? Doing well thanks, yeah. You know, I'm glad the weather's good because you're an island at the moment, is that yeah, right? the weather's terrible over here. I've come over here on holiday and I've just left the nice weather and come into the rain, but it's nice anyway. It's nice to be here. Nice to be there. Okay, cool. Yeah. Could you maybe give us a bit of a background of your teaching, first of all, because we worked together, I guess it was 2014, 2015 originally? Yeah, ages ago. It was a while ago, wasn't it? Yeah. In Harrow, when we had a school in Harrow. And I guess we've just recently got back in touch, haven't we? Yeah. Kind of through lockdown. And then you yeah. started teaching again with me. So yeah, I mean, can you tell the listeners maybe a little bit about your background? in, in yeah. terms of teaching and how you got involved in it? Yeah, sure. I mean, I've been teaching maybe, I don't know, maybe six, seven years now, I think. So, I, I mean, I always I always loved English at school and I was always good at it. And I was always passionate about reading and writing. And, you know, it was just something I was kind of naturally good at anyway. I've, I've always liked languages. And then I started traveling a lot, you know, when I got to about 18. And then a couple of people mentioned to me, you know, you could go abroad and, and teach English and earn money for it. And uh, I just thought, well, that sounds perfect sort of thing. So I did my did my CELTA about, I don't know, seven years ago or something like that. And then really ironically, I ended up working in England for about two years after that, which the whole point was I wanted to travel with it. It was good because I ended up getting a few kind of a few teaching jobs where I got lots of experience. Then after that, I went and taught in a few different countries. I taught in Kazakhstan for a little while, taught in Spain, taught a bit in Italy and then done some volunteer teaching in kind of Guatemala and few other countries in Latin America I've taught a lot of I've done a lot of teenagers a lot of Italian teenage groups I think most kind of yeah, English teachers that way yeah I think <laughs> any English teacher that's worked in the UK has taught you know five million Italian teenage yes, groups that's um, and they're great I love them <laughs> um, and then I've taught I've taught kids from kind of three onwards I taught three-year-olds in Spain that was mad it was great wow and then I've taught adults as well and I've done kind of more serious exam classes I've done kind of really informal conversation classes I've done most things I think within English teaching Okay, um, sure. And IELTS, I've kind of, I started teaching IELTS, I think maybe five, six years ago as well. I got a bit thrown in at the deep end. Uh, sure. I'd, when, when I started teaching IELTS, I'd, I'm not going to lie, I'd never heard of it. I didn't even know what it was. Right, and, sure. And um, just done my teaching qualification. And my boss said to me, um, oh, we've got a, a teacher absent this evening. I need you to cover a class. I said, yeah, of course. He said, it's an IELTS class. I said, yeah, 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 yeah. I didn't even know what it was. Okay. And then someone said to me, you know, that's like an exam class. And I started panicking and then I started teaching it regularly and I kind of had to learn as I was teaching, which I think was probably the best way of doing it. Oh. It was more accidental that you got involved yeah, in it. Completely. But I guess you've kind of, you've enjoyed teaching it over that time, I guess. And then yeah. what kind of 
part of the IELTS exam would you say that you enjoy teaching the most? Let me think. I mean, probably the most enjoyable is the speaking mm-hmm. um, because well, it depends on the student, really. Mm-hmm. Um, because some students, you know, they love writing and they love writing formal essays, but then they start panicking during the speaking exam. Some students, especially if they don't get the chance to speak English in their everyday life, that's the bit that's the most challenging for them. But mm. I'd say overall, English students love to speak English. You know, it's kind of the whole point. And then learning the language is that they want to be able to communicate and they want to speak like a native speaker. And that's the kind of that's the part of the exam where you can do that. You don't have to use formal language. You can use slang. You can you know, use idioms and expressions and people love learning those those kind of things. Yeah, it's nice. I mean, people, students just like to chat a little bit about themselves sometimes as well. And it's easy to talk about things that are relevant to you, which you can do sometimes in, in the speaking exam. So that's probably the easiest and most enjoyable part, I think, most of the time. Yeah, no, I find that the most enjoyable. And, and yeah. I guess... Also as well, I mean, I don't know how you feel, but I think a lot of students kind of think that the speaking part of it is going to be very stressful and very difficult. But um, for me, I always think, well, it's not too long. It's only about 15 minutes, isn't it? So so for me, I kind of try and convince students that it's not a huge amount of time and just kind of focus on giving the examiner kind of your knowledge rather than focusing on the content too much. Exactly. so it's not normally too much of an issue, I guess, really, is it? Or it's it shouldn't be too stressful in a sense, should it? No. I mean, that's easier said than said, I think. Well, know, that's true. That's true, isn't it? Yeah, of course. <laughs> They've all said just to students, you know, don't be stressed. But it's like, you know, <laughs> yeah. it's uh, difficult sometimes. But it's true. But it's the most informal part of the exam. I think students expect to walk into a room and have some terrifying man sitting there in a suit, you know, asking them all these difficult questions. But mm. it's not really like that. It's more of an kind of an informal chat almost. I think the biggest problem students have with the speaking exam is that they just kind of freeze. They don't know what to say. And mm. I think they have big pauses, five, 10 second pauses and lots of, you know, um, uh, and I think one, for me, one of the biggest things is saying to them, look, say something, you know what I mean? Yeah, sure. it, it, even if you're talking rubbish, you know, say something <laughs> better than saying nothing. Quite easy just to learn a few kind of gap filler phrases, yeah. you know, like if, the examiner doesn't expect you, you know, sometimes they'll ask you a question and you'll think, I don't know, how am I supposed to know that? Say, how has art changed in the Czech Republic over the last 50 years? So you don't have to be an art expert. You can say something to them like, you know, oh, this isn't really my subject or you've really put me on the spot here. If you learn like a kind of some idioms and phrases like that to say to them, they'll actually be quite impressed with that because that's a really natural kind of thing to say in that context. Yeah. And you don't have to be an expert on the topic. You just need to give your opinion on it and say what you do know. And if you don't know, it's better to say, oh, I have no idea about this than to say nothing. Yeah, very much so. It's using kind of fillers and like hesitation yeah. devices, isn't it? Yeah. So Exactly. So it kind of gives you some thinking time as well, doesn't it? Before you actually yeah. answer the question. That's a really good tip, isn't it? you are able to gather your thoughts and, and then yeah. able to to answer it how you want to answer it. Exactly. Uh, yeah. So things like that, you know, like you just said, gather your thoughts. You can, instead of just going, um, you can say, oh, just let me gather my thoughts or I've never given this much thought, so let me think about that for a moment. That will get you great mark. You're not even answering the question. You're just saying something that sounds really natural and really fluent. Mm. And it's better than mm. just going, um, because uh, that's, you're not going to get anywhere with that, really. Yeah, sure. So sure. it's just saying something rather than saying nothing, I think, and not being afraid of making mistakes as well. Because I think that's the thing is our students, they always think, I can't make a single mistake in the exam. It's like, I guarantee you, you get into the exam, you're going to make a mistake. It's yes. going to happen. Yeah. So just try to relax a little bit. If you do make a mistake and you notice that you've made a mistake, then just either correct it or use the same phrase again, but use it correctly 
and the examiner will see that you've you've noticed this mistake Mm. very much so because i think also students as well they kind of get into a thing where they make a mistake maybe and then they kind of think oh I've made a mistake. What do I do next? And then they kind of focus on it maybe too much. Yeah, and, exactly. And then yeah. that makes you hesitate and maybe makes you nervous. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's definitely a good tip. But you've already given us a few good tips there. I mean, do you have any top tips that you would give to students? Yeah, I mean, I think there's loads of things to think about with IELTS. Like I think it can seem really intimidating. I can kind of relate in a way because of the way that I was thrown into teaching it I was really intimidated as well because I'm like what even is IELTS you know and then you get these big books and you've got these hundred things you have to do and a hundred things you have to learn and it seems almost like an impossible task to start off with Mm -hmm. so I think it's just before you start get a really good idea of what the exam is so there's basically four sections of the exam so there's kind of four skills that you have to learn and then just sit down and think about what are you most confident about and what are you least confident about what do you need to work on the most and I think as well buy a book go online look at all the IELTS resources and things like that but also remember that even though you know you probably need IELTS for your job or to move etc and it's an important qualification for you to have the whole point is that you're supposed to be improving your English in general anything you can find to help you improve your English is going to improve your chances of getting a good mark in the exam and that might not be going home and studying grammar for an hour at night. That might be going home and watching Netflix in English. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure, That might be sure. listening to a podcast, watching the news, reading a newspaper. IELTS can be quite expensive as well. You've got to buy mm. the books, you've got to get lessons. Do a Skype chat with somebody who's a native speaker who's going to give you tips on how to speak like a native person. If you're too tired, then watch Netflix, listen to music, listen to a podcast. And if you hear a song or if you hear a word or a phrase that you like that you've not heard before, look it up. That's a new thing you've got there. I'd also say like it is a difficult exam. There's no getting around that. It's not an easy exam. A lot of students are so hard on themselves, you know, and they just, mm. they're constantly kind of beating themselves up, being really strict on themselves and thinking, oh, I should be passing this exam. I should be doing better. Like, give yourself time. Be positive about it, but be realistic as well. I know that some people, you might have a time restraint. You have to get the exam by this point. But if it's not like that, then give yourself too much time is better than not enough time because yeah. you don't want to be going into the exam stressed and feeling like you're going to fail because if you feel like you're going to fail you're more likely to fail sure I mean I think it was a good tip that you were talking about just general things so I mean I always find that it's good to just kind of enjoy the language isn't it rather than feel as if you're studying necessarily it's kind of using passive things as you say kind of listening to the radio or watching Netflix so you don't even have to be concentrating 100% do you I think that's the important thing Yeah, and it's things that you enjoy as well. Listen to things that you're interested in. Like, trust me, a lot of the IELTS topics you're not going to be interested in. A lot, like, some (laughs) of it is really interesting, and some of it is just boring. You know, that's very true. Some of it's like, for me as a teacher as well, I'm like, oh god, this is so boring. You know, so (laughs) try and find ways to make it interesting. Mm. Like that's. That's kind of what I try and do as a teacher is try and make the boring subjects interesting. You are going to be bored sometimes. For example, some people don't like sitting down and learning grammar. You are going to have to do some of that. But then if you do have to do some of that, then reward yourself by watching your favorite program afterwards Mm. in English or whatever it is. And yeah, exactly. Enjoy the language because the whole thing is it might be really hard work. But at the end of it, trust me, if you get a good score in your IELTS exam, like you can speak English. You don't have to ever doubt your ability because it's quite a difficult thing to do. You should be really proud of yourself, even just attempting it and once you've done it 
you don't need to worry anymore. And students, they, they really are hard on themselves. You remember, like, English is not an easy language to learn. It's really not. And yeah, exactly. Enjoy the language. Remember that it's not just about the exam. If you live in an English-speaking country, this is going to make your life a lot easier. You're going to be able to communicate with people more. As well as that, just I think just be kind to yourself because let's just say you do the exam and you fail the exam. It's not the end of the world. And then actually you've done the exam and the next time you do it, you 100% know what to expect. So you'll have yeah. an advantage over the other people sitting in the exam. Give yourself a bit of time. Don't be too hard on yourself. Mm-hmm. And I think remember, especially with the speaking part, fluency, I mean, accuracy is important, but fluency is really important. Just try and speak as much as you can with as many mm. people as possible throughout the day. If you can get a part-time job somewhere, do that. If you haven't got one already, if you can go to a language kind of exchange. It's about confidence, isn't it, really, in that sense? It's completely about confidence, yeah. yeah. I mean, you get students whose English is great and they keep consistently failing the exam because they get in there and they think, oh, I don't know how to speak English because they don't do it every day. Sure, They freeze. Speak English every day, however you can. Even if you're sitting in your room talking to yourself, who cares? It's true, isn't it? It's just about practicing it, isn't it? And and even if it's listening and repeating things, I think that helps, doesn't it? You think about like kind of audio books are quite a good thing because Mm. if you're kind of following the text but also you're listening at the same time and even trying to copy what the person is saying I think that's quite a good thing to do just to use the language isn't it really and obviously use it in a way that is pronounced very clearly I think that's a good way of of doing things isn't it you've reached the midpoint of our podcast episode and we thought we'd ask you a quiz question about the English language Which country contains the largest English-speaking population in the world? We'll answer the question at the end of the podcast, so stay tuned. What do you think about the idea of putting yourself in an examination environment and trying to almost do like an exam on your own? Do you think that's a good idea to get the timings right and things like that? Yeah, I do. I do think it's a good idea. Always good to practice, especially with the listening exam. I think it's really important to practice because some of the exam, it's like it's almost more important to know the format of the exam than it is to have brilliant English in a way. Mm. There's kind of tricks that you can learn, like the the listening or the writing exam. If you know the the correct format of the essay, that's Mm. kind of half of the battle, really, in a way. And it's really important. For example, if I'm teaching students, I always give them essays to do at home and then sometimes they'll come back and they'll give me this like amazing essay with these brilliant vocabulary and it's perfect Mm. and I say to them wow that's great how long did it take you to write it and I'll say oh I planned for an hour and then I wrote it and then my boyfriend checked it and then I wrote it again and then and it's really good to do that Mm -hmm. but at the same time in the exam I mean obviously you're not going to have an hour to plan you're not going to have your boyfriend there to check it you know (laughs) so it's kind of do that take two hours three hours to write the the essay but then as you go on do it in exam conditions because it's a completely different thing. That's what I was going to say. I mean, it, it's just as in it's trying to get used to those timings, isn't it, really? Because, yeah. I mean, I think at the beginning, what I always find is very much at the beginning when I'm starting off the process with a student, I'd say, yeah. look, don't worry about your timings. Just get the process and, and understand the process. But as you go along, you need to start thinking about those timings, don't you? And also think, OK, well, I'm going to have to spend two or three minutes planning this before I actually start and also I find it you've got to give a good at least three or four minutes or five minutes at the end in order to check over what you've written so important that is really important isn't it and that's also 
part of the timing, isn't it? Because I think a lot of people who are very capable and are very good at writing, they often make, like we all do, I mean, even native speakers, we have to check over our writing, don't we? You always make little errors, or if you're email, for example, you make typos and things like that. If you can give yourself that time and and make it at least kind of three minutes at the end of, of the essay to check everything over and maybe look for your common mistakes. Yeah. Try and get familiar with kind of common mistakes that you make. And then when you're you're scanning through, you're looking through quickly, you can hopefully identify those mistakes quite easily. That's a really good point. You're kind of getting to know your own, the way that you work. And like, I think especially with the, you can do it with speaking and you can do it with the writing as well. Say you've got a teacher, before you give it to your teacher to correct, correct it yourself. Mm. Even if you're not sure, identify things that you think might not be right, because that's the way that you learn. I think with the speaking as well, something that I do with my students that they kind of hate but love at the same time is (laughs) I'll sometimes record them speaking. Mm -hmm. I mean, everybody hates listening to themselves speaking. I'm going to hate listening to this. You know, (laughs) you get used to it, but you get used to it. (laughs) You get used to it. And people are very, very self-critical, which is not good. But sometimes it can be good because you're listening and you can hear the things that you're saying wrong and you don't hear it when you're saying it you only hear it when you listen back record yourself speaking about a topic for two minutes listen back and notice what are you not pronouncing correctly have you got a lot of gaps the other thing is vocabulary is really important you can say the speaking part where you talk about something for two minutes you can say everything correctly and perfectly but if you're using adjectives like oh it's big it's nice it's beautiful it's not going to get you great marks because you need to use more descriptive adjectives and vocabulary. So start thinking about synonyms you can use. Think about register and also think about looking at a thesaurus maybe online is quite useful, isn't it? So you can type in obviously nice or beautiful and things like that. And then it should give you some more, I don't know, descriptive adjectives. I guess also another element, I mean, I don't know what you do on this side of things, but I always think that if you can introduce a grammar point that's I don't know, relatively complex in some way in, into your speaking. So for example, I don't know, a, a second conditional idea. So if I won the lottery, I would buy a big house. So that yeah. kind of idea or or even kind of something simple like the present perfect. So I have yeah. recently been to the park. You know, I think that really helps, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely. Because you're think, kind of demonstrating what you know. I think that's, that's a really good point. Like, especially for the speaking exam, mm. on the one hand, yeah try to be fluent and just talk as much as you can but at the same time if especially if you're a confident speaker especially if you're someone who's not too worried about the speaking part of the exam it's quite easy then to rely on easy vocabulary and not push yourself because you feel like oh I'm fine I can I can talk well but if you can kind of like you were saying use more complex grammar especially like in the third part of the speaking exam they'll often ask you about something in the past how Mm. has this changed over the past 50 years and it's like instead of just saying you know art was this and now it is this don't do that use the past perfect use the present perfect use the past Mm. continuous use used to use would because this is a really good opportunity for you to show that you know different types of grammar and you know use different sentence structures as well remember to use short and long sentences and it's that's the kind of thing where you can gain marks really easily just by practicing. No, very much so. I mean, how how long have you been teaching IELTS? Oh, that's a good question. Um, (laughs) um, I'm trying to remember, actually. When I first started off teaching, which I guess if people have listened to the other episodes, I started off in Italy. But yeah, in Italy, I didn't actually teach IELTS. It wasn't until I came to London and started off in London teaching IELTS. So I've been teaching since 2005, but I probably didn't start doing things like IELTS until maybe... 
10 or something like that. So it was it was relatively late on because I came back from Italy in 2010. Yeah. So I didn't really get involved in that kind of thing okay. until a bit later on. But yeah, I mean, it, it's it's something that I enjoy very much. I think it's very rewarding as a teacher, isn't it? Obviously, when yeah. your student passes and by them passing, it, it means that they can go to university or they can get the job yeah. that they want. I think exactly. that's a really satisfying thing, isn't it? Yeah, it varies a lot between people. But what are the easiest things do you think people can do to get better marks in the exam? You know, like we were saying, like, just check your work. Really simple things that mm. can get more marks. What do you think? Yeah, sure. I mean, checking your work is obviously... A really important point isn't it and, yeah and timings really I mean I think yeah. a lot of the time with an examination it's not always about your level of English it's often yeah. about how you manage your time which would be true in any exam but it's also just being very conscious of that idea and try and kind of compartmentalize so put things into small sections within the exam and think okay in this part I need to spend 10 minutes no more than 10 minutes in this part you know five minutes or whatever it is but also as well kind of being in a situation again this is good exam practice is if you see a question and you are not sure about it then just move on to the next question yeah and come back to it later on you can be in a situation where you look at a question and you're like, oh, that's really difficult. I really don't understand this. And then you start to panic and then yeah. you spend more and more time on it. And then you end up kind of wasting time on something that you don't need to. And then often if you kind of move on to the next question and then come back to it at the end, I think you'd normally have a bit of clarity on it maybe or kind of yeah. processed it while you've done the other questions and then yeah. often it becomes easier yeah sure and I suppose also being conscious of the number of marks isn't it because yeah. obviously if if something is just one mark then it's better to spend more time on something that's two marks isn't it I mean it sounds yeah. pretty obvious but it it's kind of just being conscious of that idea isn't it really but yeah I mean that's how I would feel about it I mean we we've kind of probably covered most others I, I would have mentioned I think in terms of thinking about it as an exam and but also kind of just trying to enjoy the exam which which sounds like <laughs> yeah. like a bit of a ridiculous thing to say but in some way try and enjoy it you know I think at least enjoy the process if you, yeah. if you can't enjoy the day of the exam at least enjoy the the process leading up to it because I think it can be fun in a way. It doesn't have to be boring. It doesn't have to be stressful. And yeah. if you look at it like that, then it is going to be boring and stressful. I think mm. kind of look at it as an opportunity. If I pass this exam, I'm going to be able to communicate with everybody. I'm going to be able to get a great job. I'm going to be able to make loads of friends who speak English. I'm going to be able to do whatever I want. And, yeah. you know, there's so many fun things about learning English. It's not all boring. It's not all stressful. There's, like I said, it's watch YouTube, whatever. Like read, read Harry Potter, do whatever it is that you are interested in. Yeah. just do it in English if you don't know a word look it up if you don't know a phrase look it up and then you've got something new that you can use one thing I didn't mention as well is especially with the, the listening mm-hmm. you know there's often they'll use a lot of different accents because I mean most people are used to kind of standard English accent standard American accent but I don't know watch Coronation Street watch something <laughs> that's set in watch EastEnders yeah you know watch Gavin and Stace get used yeah. to how people speak in Wales the regional accents are really interesting as well as useful for the exam and learn more about the culture that way and well, but I, I think that's also a real key, isn't it? I mean, I don't know about yourself in terms of language learning, but I always found really learning a lot about the Italian culture when I was there really inspired me in terms of language as well, because kind of the more you get into the culture and the more you understand about the culture, it, it kind of makes you want to 
improve the language more or it makes you more yeah. curious and want to speak to people more. Um, yeah, totally. I mean, I think anytime you think about a language, I think culture is important, isn't it? And try and yeah. understand the culture either where you are or where you're planning to go. I think that that's definitely a good thing to think about, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah. And just yeah. speak to as many people as possible about yeah, as sure. many things as possible and just don't be scared because I think a lot of students IELTS or otherwise they're scared to speak because they're scared to make mistakes yeah but I mean sure. we all make mistakes I make mistakes in English all the time it's, it doesn't matter you know as long as you're you're speaking people aren't going to laugh at you you know sure. people aren't going to sure. laugh people are going to appreciate that you're trying maybe people if you ask them to help they'll help yeah and I think it's even though it seems intimidating, the more you do it, the less scary it is. Very much so. I think that's yeah. probably one of the best things to say to people, isn't it, really? The more yeah. you do it, the less scary it becomes. Because I think a lot of the time people are want to stay in their comfort zones, don't they? Yeah. And that's kind of a normal human reaction. I mean, we're all like that. We all want to feel comfortable, don't we? But at the beginning, it, it's particularly difficult. But yeah. kind of the more and more you do it, the less scary and the less difficult it becomes. And then... I think you start to get a sense of kind of reward and satisfaction from going yeah. outside of your comfort zone, don't you? Completely. We kind of have this ridiculous fear. It's like, because I, I learned Spanish and I kind of at first was like, if I say something, someone's going to laugh. And then I said it and they didn't laugh. Of course mm. they didn't. People aren't going to laugh at you, right? And you start to realise, wow, I can actually communicate in mm. another language. It does give you confidence. It's hard for people coming over to, for example, coming to London, a huge big city and trying to get a job or trying to meet people and English is their second language and it, it can seem really intimidating but the more you do it the more you realize that it, it's like a secret code in a way it opens so many different doors mm. and it just allows you to get into so many different situations and it's wonderful being able to communicate in another language and the IELTS is just a secondary thing in a way it's kind of a gateway to a lot of other things just remembering that it's kind of it's not the end of the world it's not the be all and end all getting there the IELTS qualification sometimes it is you know you might need it for your course etc etc but if you look at it in the a wider sense of just mm. I want to be able to communicate there it's you're not putting so much pressure on yourself and on the exam you sure, kind of have a more sure. holistic approach to it I think then you're more likely to do better in the exam I think that's good isn't it to have a wider vision of it definitely and I suppose if something is very essential to progressing your career or something it's trying to give yourself enough time so that you're not stressed or, you know, kind of rushing everything at the last minute, isn't it, really? Okay, let me ask you one final question. Are there any kind of teaching tips for, for teachers at all that you have? Yeah, I think kind of funnily enough, it's the teaching tips, I'd say, are kind of similar to the tips for the students. Like, mm. think, don't be intimidated because it seems like you, you need to know everything and learn everything but it's kind of just take it a section at a time sometimes for me when I first started and I was looking at some of the reading sections and there was words and I, I didn't know them I'd never seen them before these scientific words or medical words don't worry about it it's okay you can always look things up always if you're going to give your students for example a piece of reading a reading an article or something to look at always look at it before you give it to them because trust me there's going to be a word in there you don't know and the student's going to ask you what it is and you're going to panic. Yeah, sure. And you're going to, you're going to be like, oh my God, I'm a native speaker. Yeah. I don't understand this. <laughs> yeah, and you're going to feel like an idiot even though you're not, you know, because you might make up an answer that's not even true. My technique was, I was taught this early on, was I suppose you've probably, probably been told this as well. If you don't know it yourself, you push mm. it back to the student. You exactly. say, hmm, what do you think? Yeah, <laughs> and then... that's a really great question. You know, it's, <laughs> it's a really good question. It's a really interesting word. What do you think it means? And then they'll tell you and you go, that's mm, OK. Well, I'll tell you what, for homework, you look it up, write in a sentence and come back to me and then you look it up. 
you know, yes. and then you, you know the next lesson and you pretend you knew the whole time. That's what I do anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, well, I do that all the time. Yeah. Tip, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I do it all the time. And I think for me, the biggest thing, because I went from teaching big groups of teenagers and playing loads of games and doing loads of fun interactive activities to this big intimidating IELTS textbook with all these people who needed to learn for their degrees and stuff and all the students are sitting there looking very serious and I thought oh I need to be very serious and then I realized no I don't actually I can make this fun I can play games with the students they might not want to be running around the classroom or anything but I can (laughs) get cards or I can get little board games and I can make this interactive And I can do fun speaking activities and we can laugh in the class. We can make it funny. I can tell them, go off and watch this funny program. We can talk about it together. What language, what slang did you learn? And it doesn't have to be boring. It can be just as fun and interesting as any of your other classes. Yeah, I think that's the key, isn't it, really, as a teacher is to try and make it fun, isn't it? If something is fun, then it's engaging and people don't realise they're learning something because they are having fun. So, yeah, I mean, I think that. That's a good tip. You want your students to look forward to going to your class. Very much so, yeah. We'll probably wrap things up now. So thanks very much for coming, though. I mean, I I think that was really interesting. I I hope that the listeners found that useful. I I think there's a few good tips in there and a few good general ideas. And if you are interested in doing IELTS or you have any questions about IELTS, then drop us an email. It's info at montyenglish.co.uk. Also, as well, we do online conversation classes in small groups we do that through meetup that's meetup.com and then forward slash monty dash english dash conversations also that's another thing that you can get involved in if you would like to thanks very much for tuning in and thanks a lot louise i really appreciate coming on and hopefully we can do something again in the future as well tune in next time to english with monty bye bye Remember our quiz question from earlier on about which country contains the largest English-speaking population in the world? The answer is very interesting, in fact. It's India. Apparently over 350 million people speak English in urban areas. So, pretty impressive. See you soon.